you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Finally here, it's NFL Draft Week. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Bo Brock, daily host of Locked On Cardinals. Check us out on a daily basis. Me and my co-host, Alex Clancy, we're always debating something involving the Arizona Cardinals. Today's episode, it's brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnNFLPods and at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. You're going to want those Twitter handles because we have a debate, a discussion going on online that you're going to want to partake in. If this is the first time you're checking us out, we really appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe, review, rate us on Apple Podcast, follow along on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. So here's how the week kind of unfolds here on the Lockdown NFL Podcast. On Monday, I'm bringing you the biggest stories and opinions from over the weekend around the NFL. And I get the help of all our Lockdown NFL hosts bringing you the insight and boots on the ground perspective from each and every team. Then tomorrow on Tuesdays, it's Ross Jackson, Lucas Braun. They're having a fun intellectual NFL conversation every Tuesday, including fantasy football. Wednesday, Tony Wiggins, James Rapian, they give you a passionate, unbiased approach, kind of like two guys on a bar stool. While Ryan Tracy, Jake Lisko, they do a lot of team building, front office analysis. In Friday's show, your boy Q Myers and Chris Carter hit the biggest stories from each week, along with some great debates. We've got you covered from all angles right here on the Locked On NFL podcast. So a big deal went down on Friday. Patrick Mahomes gets a franchise tackle, and then Ravens, they added another first-round pick. We're going to talk to Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs. He's going to answer if Kansas City has done enough to keep the pressure off Mahomes. And Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens tells us if Baltimore got enough in return for tackle Orlando Brown, a two-time Pro Bowler. Also, the team that many believe is the pivot point and the NFL Draft, the Draft Multiverse. Aaron Freeman from Lockdown Falcons updates us on which direction Atlanta could go at fourth overall. A lot of speculation, intrigue has kind of been removed from the first two picks in the NFL Draft. It's pretty much sharpied in that Jacksonville is going to go with the quarterback out of Clemson and Trevor Lawrence, and the Jets, they're going to tab BYU quarterback Zach Wilson as their next franchise quarterback. But... Here's where those two teams become very interesting. It seems to happen very often that a team goes from picking atop the NFL draft to improving significantly the following season. Just between 2019 and 2020, the Washington football team snuck into the postseason after selecting second overall. They go with pass rusher out of Ohio State, Chase Young. San Francisco went from selecting number two overall to the Super Bowl. And Cleveland in 2018 goes from zero wins to seven wins after plucking Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma with the top pick. The trend continued with Jacksonville. They utilize a ton of salary cap space, a top five pick. They go from selecting fourth overall to the AFC Championship game. So do the Cowboys the previous season. They go from selecting fourth overall to winning 13 games, a worst-to-first improvement. Each and every season, there's a glow-up for a top-five team. The two teams atop this year's draft, Jacksonville and the Jets, they're intriguing. Both armed with a pair of first-round picks, 10 picks in all for each team, 
eyeing a pair of franchise-altering signal callers and are joined by the best first-year NFL head coaches that were available this offseason, Urban Meyer, a college football coaching legend, and Robert Sala, the 49ers defensive mastermind. Which of these two teams is going to have a better glow-up from 2020 to 2021? Which of these teams are going to have you dropping to your knees and praying to the NFL gods in a Week 18 game that they win to hit the over on the win total for 2021? You have to believe the Jaguars are the better bet, right? Trevor Lawrence is being tabbed the most can't-miss prospect since Andrew Luck. Luck was the last number one overall pick to lead his team to the playoffs in his rookie season. Bruce Arians filled in admirably for Chuck Pagano as he battled cancer that season. Also in that same draft, RG3, second overall pick, he was able to lead Washington to the playoffs before his poor knee exploded. Since that draft, only one first-round pick has led his team to the playoffs in year one, and that's Lamar Jackson. Dak Prescott, he did it as a fourth-round pick for Dallas in 2016. Mahomes, he didn't play year one. It was Alex Smith for Kansas City. The playoffs seem pretty far-fetched, but you have to believe the Jags have the biggest opportunity to improve over the Jets. Urban Meyer and the presumptive top pick Trevor Lawrence are joining one of the most futile franchises since Jacksonville joined the league. But something has to give. Lawrence, he only lost two games in college. Urban won over 85% of his games at that level as well. Both New York and Jacksonville, they'll face last place schedules in 2021. But give the Jags schedule an edge because they get to face Houston an extra game. Just one more game than gangrene. Very similar slates. But the difference between this Jacksonville rebuild and this New York rebuild is there's more of an unknown. Meyer and Lawrence, they're proven commodities rising from the college ranks, while Robert Sala and Zach Wilson, their rise has really been over the last season and two seasons. Sala in San Francisco, Wilson at BYU during the pandemic year last season. But you can't deny it. The coach, the quarterback duo, it's electric. Sala, a fiery leader of men. Wilson, a skill set of arm strength, improvisation, and athleticism. What's really going to push either franchise ahead is what general managers Joe Douglas for the Jets and Trent Baalke of the Jags do after their first picks. That's when the real draft begins for them. Do they gift their new signal callers with playmakers, protection, or help out a pair of 2020's worst defenses at the back end of the first round? Jets back on the clock at 23, Jags at 25. It seems to happen every season, but you have to believe that the Jags with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are going to be better equipped to make a bigger jump than the New York Jets with Robert Sala and Zach Wilson from 2020 to the 2021 season. We're going to get some insight on the deal that went down on Friday. Patrick Mahomes gets a franchise tackle and the Ravens add another first round pick. Did Baltimore get enough for Orlando Brown? And has Kansas City done enough to keep the pressure off Mahomes? It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. This episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Did you know there's some great over-unders as far as where a prospect's going to be selected in the NFL draft? Like Caleb Farley. Of course, he's got the medical situation coming out of Virginia Tech. At one point, was the top corner on most draft boards. His over-under, 23.5. If you think Caleb Farley's going to get drafted before the 23rd overall pick, you can make some cash. How about Devontae Smith, a polarizing prospect, 11.5. If you believe Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, is going to go before the 11th pick in the draft or after, go to betonline.ag and get some action. 
You got the NBA gearing up for the postseason, the NHL, Major League Baseball in full swing, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds, props, and almost anything you could imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in 100 bucks, you'll get $53 to play around with. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts use the promo code Locked On for your welcome bonus. We've got you covered as far as the NFL, but get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Lockdown NFL Podcast. The Chiefs, they're doing everything in their power to make sure quarterback Patrick Mahomes isn't running for his life like he was in the Super Bowl against Tampa. Chris Clark of Lockdown Chiefs joins us. Chris, thanks for joining the podcast, man. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Bo. Yeah, so general manager Brett Veach adds a 24-year-old two-time Pro Bowl tackle in Orlando Brown. Is this as big of a slam dunk move as we think it is? I can't see how it's not. Uh, when you look at what they gave up to be able to draft him, they weren't going to be able to get a tackle at 31 that was going to be able to step in and start. Uh, you're basically getting a guy that has one or two ex- years of experience in the league for about the same that you were going to be drafting at 31. Uh, and you got a second-round pick in the in it as well. So it's a win-win for Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it was that big of a risk for the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think that they've done enough to strengthen this offensive line? Because the last time we saw it, I read the stat, it was like 497 yards that Patrick Mahomes had racked up in that Super Bowl running for his life. Do you think that this offensive line, they've done enough to strengthen it this offseason? I think it's a lot better, I think, across the board at least. I think you look at what happened last year. They have a all-pro right tackle that goes down to injury. They have a, a Pro Bowl left tackle that they lose to injury as well. Uh, and, you know, you lose Kelechi Assembly during the year, LDT opts out. Uh, I mean, it's a quandary of different things that you really can't plan for as a team. What I will say, though, is I don't know that they're done. They signed Kyle Long in, in the offseason. They signed Joe Tooney in the offseason. Now they've traded for Orlando Brown. You would imagine they're going to be giving him an extension in the next two years at some point, although they can franchise tag him if they want to. Uh, but it's also looking like maybe they're going to draft a center. That's the big question mark right now is, you know, you, you've got Mike Rimmers or Lucas Niang playing right tackle, so that's probably going to be pretty close to where it was last year, at least most of the season, since Mitchell Schwartz went out early. Uh, and then LDT returning and Kyle Long possibly a starter. Who knows what's going to happen at right guard, but at center you have Austin Blythe that you added. I think he's a better fit than Austin Ryder has been. And, you know, at left guard, you have one of the best in the business in Joe Tooney, and now you have a young Pro Bowl offensive tackle at left tackle in Orlando Brown. So I think it's a lot better, uh, at least set up for the future for them. Chris Clark, Locked On Chiefs, joins us here on the Locked On NFL podcast, Bo Brock. And uh, before we talk to Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens to kind of get that perspective of this deal, but you mentioned center. They've got that second-round pick from Baltimore What's left for this team to do this offseason, whether it's the draft or kind of just adding on to the roster with whoever's left over in free agency? I think that they could look at center at 58. It really just depends on who's going to be there. I don't know that they're going to be looking for a guy like Landon Landon Dickerson. I've heard some teams have taken him completely off their boards until maybe the fifth round because of the injury history, Hmm. Uh, and I would get that completely. I can't see Kansas City doing that after dealing with all the injuries on their offensive line the past couple of seasons. So to me... 
Creed Humphrey would make a lot of sense if he's there at 58. Creed Humphrey could also make a lot of sense if you decide you want to move up a couple of spots to ensure you get him because I've seen him going in the 40s in some of the mocks. So, you know, either way, I think they're in a good position. If they want to go with Blythe this year, they can maybe look for a center for next year. Uh, You know, they've got other pieces that they could also use as well. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. It's going to be interesting. It was a blockbuster that I don't think a lot of people were expecting on Friday, but Ryan Tracy, Chris Clark, of course, locked on Chiefs. They've got all the insight on it as well as leading you up to draft day. Chris, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. I have to have you ask Kevin a question for us, though. Yeah, let's do it. Why would the Baltimore Ravens make their chief conference rival better? That's a great question. (laughs) That's the thing that just mystifies me about this trade i never would have thought they would trade to kansas city especially with what it took so it's a great question it really is can't wait to get kevin's thoughts on it why baltimore would gift wrap a two-time pro bowl tackle that could protect patrick mahomes blindside for years to come and and kc really being that biggest obstacle between baltimore and where they want to go the super bowl each and every season It's a fantastic question, and we will ask Kevin. Chris, thanks so much. Thanks, bud. Have a good one. Well, you heard the Chiefs' perspective on this, and we heard Chris Clark's question, and I think our next guest, Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens, heard it. Kevin, what's your rebuttal to Chris's question? You know, why were the Ravens willing to send a conference rival, the Chiefs, such a key contributor in solidifying Patrick Mahomes' blindside for the near future? Yeah, it's a tough one because I think when this trade first went down, A lot of people said, oh, my God, why the Chiefs? Just send them to the NFC and be done with it. But they now have to face them. They're playing the Chiefs here in 2021, so they'll see Orlando Brown. And the answer is probably because I don't necessarily think the Ravens were thinking about where they were sending him as opposed to what they were getting back. I think they were trying to do, one, what was best for their franchise. But, two, they they have always been a franchise that has valued the – I'd say careers of their players. And whether that's with the team or without the team, they want to set up their guys to be successful in the best situations. And the Chiefs obviously had interest. And Orlando Brown, you know, if they ship him off to a team in the NFC that's maybe not a competitor and they're not getting the best trade package, but it prevents them from seeing him a lot like it now is going to be with the Chiefs. I think they valued saying, hey, look, the the relationship with Orlando Brown right now between both him and the franchise, I mean, there's love all around. Uh, It's clear based off of the – the end of relationship posts that both teams have put out. It, it's it's all good there. So now they trade Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. They get a package they want. They get a first rounder, a late first rounder. But, I mean, it's still a first rounder. They have to give up their second, which hurts a tiny bit. But they got a package that they liked right, uh, right down to the wire, actually, with the draft coming up. They now have two first round picks to work with. And it, it, it kind of hurts a little bit to send him to a rival in the Chiefs that is a direct competitor to the Ravens going to the Super Bowl in the AFC and coming out on top in the AFC. But at the end of the day, I think they were doing what was best for their franchise and what was best for Orlando Brown. I mean, you have the family ties as well. His father, Zeus Brown, played for the Ravens. I mean, it's a guy that grew up in that locker room. It is kind of interesting to see it end in a, in a bit of a divorce. Not a messy divorce, but a divorce nonetheless. I mean, Do you believe that Eric DaCosta got the best deal he could have for Orlando Brown. I think so. Obviously, we don't know what else was out there, at least not at this point. But I think the goal for them was to get a first-round pick. And the fact of the matter is Orlando Brown kind of tanked his trade value a little bit unintentionally by saying that, you know, 
I want to be a left tackle Baltimore. You know, it's been great to me, but it's not the place for me because I can't do that. So teams knew he wasn't going to resign in Baltimore. Teams also know that he's going to get a massive payday, whether that is from the Chiefs or with another organization. So with that, teams might not have wanted to surrender a mid-first-round pick or an earlier first-round pick. But with Orlando Brown, he is such a player that he demanded such a big trade package. And that's the part that I think Baltimore needed to acquire in order to feel comfortable trading him away because they had the option to keep him on the roster. And instead of trading him away, they would have had an extra year of a Pro Bowl right tackle on their team on the roster. Brown most likely wasn't going to hold out because that would have pushed his year of eligibility back to next season. So he would have had to still be on his rookie deal. But... I mean, I think that Baltimore tried to kind of work those phones and see what mm-hmm. they could get in the first round. And Kansas City seems to be the only team that gave the Ravens that first rounder and more picks, a third, a fourth, a fifth in 2022 to maneuver around draft boards in the future. Great follow on Twitter at KOstriker34. Kevin Ostriker, of course, Locked On Ravens joins us here on the Locked On NFL podcast. People saw this from a Chiefs standpoint. It's kind of following the tea leaves that they didn't view any tackle that they projected at that spot in the draft, you know, worthy of a first round pick. Can the same be said for Baltimore? Because they still do have a void. Ronnie Stanley, I don't know what his timetable is coming back from the injury. And then, of course, what they would do on the right side of the offensive line. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, th- this tackle class, I think, is deep to the point where. The Ravens could stay put, let's say they stay put at 31, and take a tackle. Or if a guy like Tevin Jenkins falls to them at 27, I think that's someone who they would love to have. But I think this gives the Ravens flexibility because they have a very deep draft board. Eric DaCosta said in his pre-draft presser that they have, I believe it was over 200 guys on that board. And so that includes a bunch of tackles in a very deep class. And for the Ravens, honestly, what they could do is they could move up with 27 and use a couple of assets that they got, and then they could trade back with 31 and get those assets back. So there are a bunch of different possibilities for this team in terms of where they could take a tackle and if they feel confident in a tackle at 31. I'm sure there could be a few. Liam Eichenberg is a name that comes to mind. There are a few, but they could also trade back into the 30s if they think a guy like Eichenberg would be there at 35, 36, and still pick up some more draft capital. So I don't expect the Ravens to stay quiet at all during this draft and just pick with what they have. They're going to be maneuvering all around the board, looking for not only a replacement for Brown, but also filling the rest of the needs on their roster. Which wide receiver, edge rusher, any anything? it looks like uh, your last mock draft you did – interior defensive linemen, all those would be good fits, 27 and 31? Yeah, I I think so. There are so many different directions this team can go in, and there are needs that are more on the sneaky side than actually like glaring holes like interior defensive line or, for example, safety. But I think the three biggest ones are definitely wide receiver edge and offensive line. Now offensive line becomes even a bigger priority with the departure of Brown. Wide receivers, they could look at Rashad Bateman, maybe Terrace Marshall Jr. in the first round. And then edge guys, Aziz Ojolari, Jalen Phillips, if he's there, other guys like Quiddy Pay. There are a bunch of options in this draft. It's a very deep class at a lot of different positions. And for the Ravens, where their needs are right now, I think they're going to come out pretty well with what they have in terms of picks. But if they decide to maneuver around too, I mean, Eric DaCosta loves it. So again, possibilities are endless here. I believe nine selections starting Thursday with the yep. two in the first round. Kevin Ostriker, you do have the advantage. I already talked to Chris. He... He can't say anything else. Any parting words for your conference rival, Kansas City Chiefs? 
you know, it, it's going to be, it's, it's always been these matchups with Kansas city have been matchups that the chiefs have won, but they've been closer than some people think it's the Ravens have had one really bad quarter in all of the previous three matchups. Orlando Brown goes there. It's tough because now you have to go and face up against the guy who you've known for the past three seasons. But with the Ravens, their draft picks, they thrive at drafting offensive linemen. You know, wide receivers hasn't been as pretty, but I still think that they have what it takes, both with the current roster they have, which is competitive, and with the upcoming draft, to still be a prime competitor in the AFC, regardless of Brown's new arrival in Kansas City. Tremendous insight, of course. you got to follow him on Twitter, at chaosstriker 34 Listen to him on a daily basis, Locked on Ravens. Kevin, thanks so much, man. Bo, thanks so much. There's a team that's picking in the top five of the NFL draft that is a linchpin for the direction of the rest of the draft. Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons is going to join us with the latest on what direction the Dirty Birds could go at fourth overall. This episode of the Lockdown NFL Podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It's where healthy and tasty collide. The taste of a Built Bar just hits different. Life gets tastier when you go to the website BuiltBar.com and order yourself an 18-pack. You can get a mixed box and figure out which built bar you like the best or you can just go with what we've been telling you about because i don't think we would sway you in the wrong direction like coconut brownie chunk it's 150 calories 15 grams of protein and only seven grams of sugar the thing about built bar is it's just as healthy as it is delicious the bar is covered in 100 chocolate soft easy to chew but great for the health conscious person you can lose maintain weight while indulging in a delicious built bar Go to the website, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're going to have you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network for the NFL Draft come Thursday night. We're teaming up with our friends over at TheDraftNetwork.com, and we're going to provide the best draft coverage you can find We'll stream it, of course, online, the Odyssey app, Trevor Sikama, Benjamin Solak from Locked On NFL Draft. Of course, the draft dudes, Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, they're going to be involved. We will tweet out more info as it draws closer and closer at Locked On NFL Pods. The key to the NFL Draft multiverse, we'll call it here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, the Atlanta Falcons sitting at fourth overall. Joining us now from the Locked On Falcons podcast, Aaron Freeman. Aaron, what's up, man? Great to be here, Bo, talking draft. It's not like we have had a different conversation these last couple of months with what the Falcons are going to do. And I I love the fact that basically what I thought could happen two months ago is what I think could happen this week and have gotten zero clarity over these last two months about what the Falcons could do at pick number four. They really are a wild card, uh, more so than San Francisco, because I don't think San Francisco it's etched in stone or it's sharpied like the first two picks of this draft are, but they could, as far as Atlanta's concerned, they could go multiple positions. It's not like the Niners are going to go outside of the quarterback position in this draft, while Atlanta certainly could. Yes, and I think that's been the, the key question is, what is their evaluation of this quarterback class? And, you know, after what whoever the 49ers wind up taking at three, that next best guy, presumably Justin Fields or, or Trey Lance, sort of where they value that guy and, and how they value that guy compared to a player like Kyle Pitts, who 
almost universally everybody seems to think is going to be the next superstar in this league uh, as far as an offensive weapon and a pass catcher. And that's certainly an intriguing option for the Falcons, uh, given the weapons that they already have. The fact that Julio Jones is getting up in age and Kyle Pitts could easily slide into that void potentially in the next year or two as the guy that the Falcons sort of focus their entire offense around. And if you're a big believer in what Matt Ryan has left in the tank, you know, that's a very intriguing option for the Falcons at pick number four. Aaron Freeman, Lockdown Falcons, joins us here on the Lockdown NFL podcast. And it's almost like paralysis by over-analysis when you look at it. As you mentioned, like Matt Ryan, he's under contract. Julio Jones, all the weapons. Calvin Ridley at the wide receiver position. And then you bring in Arthur Smith's offense and how he likes to utilize the tight end and how Kyle Pitts would be a perfect fit. But then you look at, you know, Terry Fontenot who comes into this equation as well. It's just it's a very cloudy situation. It's it's a blast to try to predict and play, you know, these glorified weather people and, and trying to figure out the forecast. But I don't know, as you as you kind of mentioned, where where do you feel like this is really gonna go come Thursday night? Well, you know, they have three options ahead of them. It's taken to Kyle Pitts, it's trading back. But I think if I was to put, you know, I'm not going to put a ton of money on this, but if I was to bet on anything, I would bet that they are going to take a quarterback. I think this new regime is going to come in and basically reject the central core premise of what the old regime under head coach Mike Smith, under general manager Thomas Dimitrov operated under for the last couple of years and really you know, built their roster in in terms of managing their salary cap under the central premise that the Falcons were a team capable of of competing at the highest levels in this league. And that has basically been proven false over their three consecutive losing seasons, and especially coming off of the heels of a four and 12 season in 2020. And I think this new regime is not going to operate with that assumption. And I think, you know, the core of that assumption is that Matt Ryan is going to retire a Falcon from the previous regime and the new regime. I don't think it's going to do that. And given the golden opportunity that has uh, fallen into their lap, picking in the top five, not having a top five pick since they drafted Matt Ryan in 2008, having a fresh start with new coaches, needing to sort of purge salary cap and looking at Matt Ryan and Julio Jones's contracts over these next couple of years as the two primary contracts that you probably want to move away from. Why pay all that money if you're not going to be competing at the highest levels at those two key positions? And of course, we understand the value of the quarterback position. And if you hit on that pick, that stabilizes your organization, similar to what we've seen with the Falcons over the last 13 years with Matt Ryan. Potentially, you can get 13 years or more of stability at that position moving forward. And I just think it makes too much sense given that, you know, this is a five quarterback draft, depending on, you know, who you talk to, maybe four. Uh, and they're picking fourth. It's just a golden opportunity. I do not imagine this regime passing up, uh, given the circumstances heading into Thursday night. We hear all the conversation that Fontenot during his time in New Orleans, there were more teams that would aggressively move up. And now they're really in a situation where they could potentially move back. How realistic is that, that Atlanta could move out of this? In which direction would they go if they are picking later in the first round? It's a possibility. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a strong possibility. I mm-hmm. felt like the team that was most likely to trade up f- with them was the 49ers. Um, and now that that's off the table, I just don't see teams like Denver, New England, Washington, and Chicago having as much conviction about going and getting a quarterback to be able to pay the price that I expect the Falcons to ask. I think the Falcons want a massive haul, similar to what the Dolphins got. Multiple first-round picks, multiple day-two picks that they would 
love to have a team come and blow them away with that type of trade offer, which they can then use to surround Matt Ryan um, with more weapons to rebuild that defense uh, and get that uh, to competency and still have the ammunition in the future that they could go get a quarterback whenever they feel like because they have multiple first round picks. I think that's probably the ideal scenario that the Falcons would love to come away from this draft. But what are the odds that you're going to have two teams make that type of trade in the same draft? Not particularly high. And given what I've heard from the various people that cover teams like Denver and New England and Chicago and Washington, um, it doesn't seem like those teams are desperate to go get a quarterback. If a guy falls maybe into the seven, eight, nine range, maybe you could see those teams to go get one of those guys, but I don't see the teams paying the price that the Falcons would want to go to four. And so I think it's, it's still a possibility. I won't sit here and, and erase that potential there, but I think it's a much lower probability of the Falcons moving back in this draft than I think the money seems to suggest. Just for conversation's sake, as, as we watched the Falcons after Dan Quinn, they were significantly better on defense under Raheem Morris. Uh, are you kind of astounded, as much as I am, that there a lot of these top ten teams who are putrid on defense, that there there aren't as many defensive prospects going or projected to go in the top ten? Yeah, it's it's, it's a tough year to need defense. Yeah, um, but it's it's one of the things that's one of the fascinating things about the draft is, you know, the, the past research I've done is that the overall talent in the draft doesn't change. It's just year to year. Where are the strengths of the draft this year? It, Tax catcher and quarterback seem to be the strength. You know, we could get into a situation. I have no idea, but just guessing next year, it could be pass rusher and cornerback is the strength of the draft. Um, You had several guys at the top of last year's draft that were good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, So that sort of sort of waxing and waning back and forth of, you know, year to year, which position groups are going to be strong is always one of the more unpredictable aspects of the draft. And it makes team building hard because, Every, you know, the stars may align for you to, to need to go get a quarterback and then you have a draft class where there's no quarterbacks or the stars may align where you, you desperately need to get a pass rusher. And guess what? There's no good pass rushers available for you to 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 draft. So um, it's you know, it's tough for the Falcons. Like if there was a Chase Young in this draft, if there was a Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons in this draft, I don't think we would be having as much of a conversation about the Falcons taking a quarterback at four uh, if there was a player of that caliber uh, picking uh, available at the top of the draft. But since there's not, you know, it's it's really boiled down to the Falcons just basically taking the best player available, which presumably is going to be either a quarterback or a player like Kyle Pitts. Fantastic insight. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at FalcFans. It's Aaron Freeman. Listen to him on a daily basis at Locked On Falcons. Aaron, thanks so much for your time, man. I can't wait to see which direction Atlanta goes come Thursday night. Appreciate you having me, Bo. I'm looking forward to seeing what actually happens on Thursday night and maybe get a chance to, to talk about it with you next week. That's going to do it for me, Bo Brock, in this Monday edition of a Locked On NFL podcast. Tomorrow, Ross Jackson, Lucas Braun, they've got you covered. They're nerding out. More of an intellectual, fun look around the NFL. Of course, it's NFL Draft Week, and we're your one-stop shop for all that draft coverage. Participate in the debate. Which team do you think can make the biggest jump from 2020 to 2021 as far as the wins are concerned? The New York Jets or the Jacksonville Jaguars? Hit us up at Pods at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. Tweet at me, Bo Brock. It's going to do it for me. Have a great rest of your Monday and have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you next week on the Locked On NFL Podcast.